Welcome to Shoot the Hostage, I am Dan. And I'm Sarah, and we're a movie show that covers eight films each season, tied together by a central theme. This season, the theme is folklore. We cover everything from explosive action to spine-tingling horror and everything in between. And as a heads up, we don't hold back on coarse language or specific plot details, so listener discretion is advised. This podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons, without whom the show would not be possible. If you'd like to help out and access all of our bonus content, including new reviews and rap shows, all the relevant links will be in the show notes. And if you're not a Patreon person, but you would still like to help out, you could rate and review us on your podcast player of choice tell a friend and get them to rate and review us as well or come follow us and interact with us on social media mostly instagram x threads tiktok all at sch underscore pod without further delay here's this week's episode we hope you enjoy it and stick around Candyman, 2021. I'm looking around because, so just to make sure there's no reflections anywhere, <laughs> because I'm definitely going to be saying that, I only need to say it another four times, don't I? Oh, we're definitely going to say that more than five Fuck, times. There's a mirror up there. And oh my God, the mirror that I'm looking into is reflecting a skull. <laughs> oh, oh no, this is not a good sign. This is not a good this sign. This is the best sign. Okay, well, I can't say it anymore. You're going to have to say it because okay. I've got a mirror right there. I'll say it then. Candyman. Okay, don't be too <laughs> liberal with it. You never know. So Candyman 2021, not the original, 1992, mm-hmm. not the sequel in from 1995. Or the called, sequel from 1999. Yeah, right. What, what are they called? Farewell to the Flesh and... Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yeah, we're doing a 2021 version, which is a very recent movie. A very divisive movie. Well, is it? Yes. Okay, right. Well, we'll... we'll <laughs> We'll get into that then, because that sounds super interesting, something I want to put a pin in. Oh, some people hate this movie. Really? Yeah. Are those people called idiots? Um, Are they called people that are watching something else called (laughs) Transformers? Um, I don't think anybody's called that, because that's a really long-winded name. Because objectively, this is... It's not a perfect movie. It's not, no. But I would say, objectively, it's a fucking good one. Agreed. Um, I've seen this four times now. Okay, great. Well, me three. You're going to start the me three movement. <laughs> but you are a huge fan of the original movie, right? The 1992 Candyman. Bernard Rose's Candyman is easily in my top ten of all time. Right. I feel like I'm saying that a lot this season. This is what happens when you let me go ham and just choose whatever I want. This is your season. Yeah. This is this is this is all about what you wanted to watch and it's what all you about wanted me. to talk about. It's all about you. Let's <laughs> just talk about Sarah. It's all about Sarah. <laughs> um yeah, so I'm interested to see where this conversation is gonna go from the perspective of the original being one of your favourite movies. Mm-hmm. I think obviously it's it goes without saying that we're spoiling this, we've already set up top, but this is a sequel to that movie. Yes. I mean, a lot of people call it like a spiritual sequel or a requel, but it's a sequel. It's not. How can you say a spiritual sequel? It's literally a sequel. It's literally. They even, I mean, a lot of people call it a sequel to the first movie, but they even kind of adopt some of the lore that was brought in in the sequels. Okay. So this is just sort of more linear, Mm. more of the linear story to me anyway. 
Well, I, I really, really enjoy how this link. I think it's super clever how it links back to the original movie. I watched the original uh, when it came out in the, mm-hmm. in the 90s. Enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty creepy, actually. It was quite difficult to sort of scare me as a kid because I'd seen the things that no child should see um, <laughs> in terms of film. Yeah, <laughs> clarify quickly. Yeah, just in terms of like Hellraiser when I was, you know, three or five, whatever. More Clive Barker. Uh, but, but yeah, exactly, more Clive Barker. So, and I was always fascinated with Clive Barker's works. I mentioned Hellraiser already. He just seems to create these worlds that are really interesting, dark, and not realise don't realize until you get a bit older that there's much more going on there under the surface Mm -hmm. um so yeah huge fan of the original loved it last time i watched it i watched in hospital about (laughs) oh yeah a few months before this one came out actually in 2021 and that was really good creepy (laughs) vibe best way to watch a horror movie in my opinion (laughs) not like don't go out and injure yourself just so you can watch a horror movie in a hospital well i would hope that would go without saying (laughs) um I, but I don't really have any memory. I'm sure that I've seen maybe the second one at some point. I'm not sure about the third one, but I don't remember anything about them. So when you say there are sort of threads, even from those movies included, that's fascinating that mm-hmm. they would go to those lengths. Um, you mentioned Clive Barker. Yeah, I, I mention Clive Barker a lot. You do mention Clive <laughs> Barker a lot. I'm actually wearing one of your hand-me-down t-shirts. That, oh yeah, you've got my Hellraiser one on. Hellraiser one on. I'm trying to get into the, the Cliveness of it. Yeah. And um, it's beneficial that we're the same size in t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's Hellraiser mostly. Mm-hmm. What I, I know Clive Barker from, obviously, I think I don't even know if I knew that he wrote the original short story for this until God, years and years later. Okay. I have seen Lord of Illusions, which <laughs> oh, I yeah. probably like more than most. I would say quite it's, enjoy. Yeah, it's fun. Enjoy that movie, and I think maybe that's oh. Forgetting Nightbreed. How can you forget Nightbreed? <laughs> that is also in my top ten of all time. Yeah. So you're a Clive head. Is that what? <laughs> you're a big Barker face. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to take off. I like what you're trying to do. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to catch on. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. Huge fan. Huge fan. I. I mean. I wouldn't go as far as to say like, oh, I've, I haven't read everything he's ever written. Yep. When I say I'm a big Clive Barker fan, I'm a big Clive Barker horror fan mm. because he did sort of diverge from that. Um, yeah, yeah. He he sort of moved more into like fantasy and sort mm. of kind of turned his back on horror a little bit. Um, he's always kept a, a finger in, as they say. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I um I don't know if this is true or not, but I've got some memory of hearing about him. Like they were, he was just putting on plays and stuff with his mates. Mm. I think I heard, and they needed to earn some money, so he was like, oh fuck it, I better better write a book or something. <laughs> and he just wrote it, and it ended up ended up being. A really great writer. I haven't read any of his stuff. Have so you I, not? Okay. No. But uh, what what else is there? I'm forgetting a, a Clive Barker movie. Is Rawhead Rex a Clive Barker? Yes. Thing? Yeah. Okay. There's that. You showed me a DVD earlier called Dread. Dread. There's uh, Books of Blood. Um, there's a bunch of like lesser known stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the big three, to my mind anyway, are Candyman, Hellraiser, and Nightbreed. Right, okay. Nightbreed to a lesser extent because it's more of a cult classic. Yeah. I think a lot of people would possibly quite rightly argue that it's not a great film. Mm. Um, the the theatrical cut was definitely butchered in the editing and, you know, people went to great lengths to put out a more restored version. Yeah. 
Uh, that, um, that's a fascinating movie. It I, really I, is. I quite like that one too because what I alluded to earlier about saying that I think he creates these really interesting, dense and grimy, lived-in, visceral worlds that mm-hmm. are fascinating. Yeah. Whether it's fantasy or well, usually always, almost always fantasy, I guess. And, and really, really dark. Yeah. He goes to places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. But I, I guess with the Nightbreed and Hellraiser, I'm guessing they're sort of more straight adaptations of the original works, whereas Candyman is more of an interpretation of the original sh- short story, isn't it? It's, it's not, um, there are quite a few changes from what I understand. It's definitely a departure. The structure remains the same. Yeah. Largely, obviously, the the story was in I want to say Books of Blood, Volume Six, mm. in the UK. It was published in a, in a magazine first before anything, and in the states, I want to say it was in Books of Blood, Volume Six became in the flesh. Mm. So, depending on where you are, it might be somewhere else, it might be somewhere different. But the short story itself is called The Forbidden. Um, it's set in Liverpool, obviously, okay. Clive Barker's hometown. Um, but we won't hold that against him. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the original story focused. Well, there was no racial element, which yeah. is the most um, important change, I think. Well, it's what Candyman is. Candyman definitely, is, definitely. Uh, that's what it's about. Now. Yeah. It's in, uh, yeah. So it's quite a departure, I guess. It, it takes that element of saying a name in a mirror and this um, baddie appears. Well, that element was an addition by Bernard Rose as well. Oh. But what was it then? Um, Candyman, well, basically the whole thing, the whole story, the crux of it boils down to the dangers of not believing in urban legends, not learning from them, mm. not kind of using them as the cautionary tales that they are, so to speak. Mm. Um, and in the the story, Candyman would just appear. He could sort of sense when people didn't believe in him and that's how he found his victims. So Bernard Rose was the one who added the element of uh, repeating the name five times in the mirror. Okay. Yeah, I guess you probably, being a visual yes. medium and adapting a very short story, mm-hmm. you need to add a shitload of stuff, don't you? Of course you do. But yeah, that's that's interesting. The, the mirror aspect, maybe we'll get into this in the film as well, to mm-hmm. introduce that. I don't know, man. It, it, there's a lot to me that feels like, I don't want to say accident, but a huge collaborative effort in the mm. 90s to bring together this, what's ended up being an absolute classic and yeah. the top of everyone's lists. Um, in terms of horror and one of the most iconic horror villains of all time. One of the most unique as well. Yeah. Because around that time, what, 1992, everything was a slasher still. Yep. Um, the villains, I mean, it, he's interesting in that his name is also the title, which wasn't really the case anywhere else. Like, there's no film called Jason Voorhees or I Freddy so. Krueger. Yeah, even when you're a kid, you go, oh, let's watch Freddy 2. Yeah. It's not called that. No. Yeah. Um, I don't think most kids say that. That might just be you. Yeah, well, well, well <laughs> me and my mates did. We turned out all Well, right. you know, well, South End was a different them, story. One of them's in prison. Well, um, it's making sense now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a joke. They're not. If you're listening, <laughs> you're not in prison, are you? I don't know. You might be. I haven't spoken to him in 20 years. Let's just assume he is. That's canon now. Yeah. The most important change, as we've already said, the racial element was introduced by Bernard Rose, um, is that the the story was more about the differences in the class system mm. in like working class England. So to sort of transplant that to Cabrini Green in Chicago, um, which I hadn't realised was a real place. Mm. I don't know. That was that was genius. 
I can't imagine it any other way now. Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree. And I I heard that also Tony Todd had quite a lot to do with the the backstory specifically of the, the main the main the title character Candyman. Uh, he is Candyman. So you can't convince me otherwise. Daniel Robitaille. Yeah. It didn't I heard that Tony Todd just came up with all of that stuff. Did he really? Yeah. That's fantastic. And but that blows my mind, and that's why I kind of say like it's a huge collaborative effort that just kind of accidentally became a really perfect storm of ideas. Perfect storm of ideas. Yeah. yeah. An influential piece that a lot of people love, quite rightly. And by all accounts, Clive Barker was really receptive to the changes as well. Yeah. So just makes me like him even more. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um it's really great. It definitely laid the groundwork and I think probably sort of moving towards the movie that we're here to talk about. We should, shouldn't uh, we? We should we need to get there at some point. <laughs> I'm sure you could talk about Candyman ninety two all day. How many hours have you got? Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll we'll get to Candyman ninety two one day. Oh yeah, I'll make sure of it. <laughs> and, and Nightbreed. And Rawhead Rex. And Dread. And we're definitely gonna get to Hellraiser. Yes. Hell yeah! Should we do a police academy situation where we, you know we did police academy one to seven? And watch all of the Hellraiser movies. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't oh, know if I've got Lord. the strength. That'd be a six-hour episode. <laughs> yeah, but to to bring it back to twenty twenty-one, the thing that I think there are many many things that I enjoy about this, but I think the thing that I really enjoyed the most is how it's a sequel how it's adding to the lore, Mm -hmm. how everything that they add is very purposeful and speaks to the themes. It's a film that very much respects the predecessor. Yeah, and adds to it. I think it enhances. For me, I haven't gone back and watched the original since I've seen this yet, but I feel like when I do, I'm going to have this in mind also, and it's just... It's only going to add to the experience. I think so. I think it will, yeah. Partic- obviously, this is a folklore season. So the, mm-hmm. the folklore element, which you touched on earlier with the in the original short story, and not the, what was it? They, they turn up when they don't believe the folklore. Mm-hmm. I, what I really like about the use of that in this movie is is when they're describing the events of the first movie, but it's not quite accurate. And people are describing something that's not not quite the way it went down in the first one so that's that's interesting how just those the retelling of stories and these folklores get twisted and turned so even that is kind of in keeping with the central idea of it yeah absolutely yeah 2021 we saw this at the cinema it was one of the the, i saw it twice at the cinema you did see it twice at cinema, didn't you yeah it was i think it got delayed i think it was one of the the covid casualties it was movies that, that got pushed back a little bit so when it opened in 2021 don't think we were back to full swing everyone's going to see movies again yet so it probably suffered but for a budget of 25 million which is not bad for for, i mean for for america yeah that's good you say it suffered but i mean near da costa i think i can't imagine it's been beaten since but she was the first black female director to have a film open at number one at the box office really yeah I know, depressing, isn't it? Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But great, well deserved, mm. and it made seventy seven million at, at the worldwide box office. So, I think that that's good. I think given the time that it came out, not many people yeah. are coming going to see movies. I think just to end up in the profit, I think it, it was a winner. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, like you say, it built on the legacy, but also sort of had the benefit of being able to market itself on the legacy of the original as well. So that yeah. it had that going for it. But like you say, allowing for COVID, that's great. Yeah, I, I totally agreed. And, and notwithstanding that, she made a fucking good movie. She as did. Well. So yeah. even if this lost money, you would think that some there would be conversations about sequels or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, yeah, I've got my own thoughts on that. <laughs> okay. So crew-wise, writer, director, near the Costa. Most recently, she's made The Marvels. MCU movie, which is which is a Marvel movie, lesser a near Costa movie. Yeah, but um, I hope she got paid well, and I thought that movie was fine. I thought that movie was fine as well. It did absolutely atrociously at the box office, yeah. and I really, really hope that her career doesn't suffer as a result. I don't. I yeah. I, I was going to say I don't think it will. I really hope it. it yeah, it, it won't suffer. But um, I like what she brought to it, but you could tell it had maybe been butchered in the edit. Yeah, totally. But it's a it's a Marvel movie. I think now directors entering that are all they all know that they're not going to make their own one hundred percent their own movie. Yeah, there's, there's going to be some compromises. I always assume it's sort of like a one for one for you, one for me kind of a deal. Like I'll do this for you if you fund this. Yeah, it probably is that. Which is a the smart bit. way to negotiate. Hopefully, you get paid. Uh, as yeah. good money as you can get for that one and then you can the next one can be more of a passion project kind of thing writing credit also goes to jordan peele and win rosenfeld jordan peele almost directed yeah so he wanted to he was initially going to direct it right and he wrote his version he wrote a mm-hmm. treatment of it and it wasn't until nia da costa came on and she had her own ideas of where it was going i think he just went that's great over to you you, you take you take care of this which was absolutely the right call yeah good man because i love jordan pill we've spoke about him a lot in our nope episode and god we just sycophantic it's <laughs> yeah. sickening hearing us <laughs> praise him so much but he's a really talented great filmmaker but i'm really glad that he didn't make this same i think nia da costa's got a really interesting and really beautiful visual style you can see jordan peele's fingerprints throughout the script especially some of the more humorous moments, which I thought were really unusual, but welcome. Yeah. But yeah, she definitely made it her own. Yeah, she did. And from from what I read, the the ideas that she brought to it, I'll mention it now because it looks sort of like organically getting there anyway, but apparently in the original treatment, Jordan Peele had Helen, what's her name, Lyle? Oh, Helen Lyle, yeah, Helen yeah. Helen Lyle as the main villain. Yeah, I think I read that. Because at the end of the first one, she sort of turns up in a mirror, right? So, yeah. So she, the, the the implication being that she's now a part of this Candyman thing. So Jordan Peele's version, Helen Lyle was going to be the main focus, the main villain. But then when Nia Costa came on, she was like, no, no, fuck that. Why don't we do like a hive situation? And I'm guessing if she said that to me, I'd be like, a hive. Oh, my God, you're a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, bees. Yeah. Remember the bees? Not the bees. <laughs> Not the bees. <laughs> Yeah, so, and then that's, but that's what I heard that she brought to it. So I'm, I'm guessing the conversation sort of went a bit like that. Mm. I read it, it's great, but what about we do the Hive thing? Brilliant. Yeah. Let's do a rewrite. <laughs> You're hired. Yeah, so Jordan Peele obviously retains his writing credit. DOP I'm going to mention because this film is beautiful. Mm-hmm. John Glesarian? Glesarian? Sure. Oh, fuck that <laughs> up. I'm sorry, Apologies. John. Apologies. Editor Ketrin Hedstrom, who deserves a shout as well. And score by Robert 
Ikai Aubrey Lowe. This is painful. And I'm glad you're pronouncing all these. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saving you. Don't worry. But he's also known as Lichens and uh, like quite a well-known musical presence, I guess. Uh, well, I let me just stop you right there. <laughs> okay. The music in this. We've talked about the original a little bit. One of the things I love most about the 1992 film is that insane I don't even I, I, I don't have the adequate words to describe it it gives me chills just thinking about it not even listening to it that Philip Glass score mm. it's one of the most memorable horror scores to me there are a handful and that is up there and I was so skeptical when this film was announced and then I saw Jordan Peele's attachment and then a trailer came out and I was like okay I'll reserve judgment yeah. and then that music kicks in Fuck. It's, I, I love the oh. music in this. I, 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 I hear where you're coming from with the original. I do prefer the music in this. They're, but it's, it's maybe they're very it's, different. It's, it's perhaps maybe a, a nostalgia thing. Like yeah. a, I love the original, but the score is never anything that really stood out to me. Sorry. But the score in this, I think, is credible. But apparently he's a super well-known uh, composer, musician person. Okay. So I'll probably look up more of his uh, more of his stuff. But the, the score in this, I thought, was just incredible. That, it's uh, so, it fits so perfectly as well. Perfectly, yeah. Cast then. So obviously Yahya Abdul-Mateen II plays Anthony McCoy. Sure does. He does. He plays... Uh, he plays a baddie in Aquaman. One and two. Aquaman. You heard of these? <laughs> like, like his name is Mr. Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen the first one. So have I, regrettably. Yeah. I, I guess the only question you're asking is, does he get his shirt off in the second movie? I would prefer that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he was in Ambulance, which was terrible. Oh, yeah. But he was good. Matrix Resurrection. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Watchmen. Which I keep going on you about. You need to watch. I didn't like the original film, so I've not been in a rush to watch the se the series. You, you look, you put your your phone down, yeah, as if to say, right, stop there. <laughs> We're gonna have words. No, 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 I don't give a shit what you okay. think about the original film. It's a Zack Snyder movie. I think it's good, but it's a Zack Snyder movie, and it's Fair. fairly literal, and there's not really much room. Anyway, let's not get into that conversation. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the reboot or the TV show is just incredible. Oh, like, I didn't realise you'd seen it. Yes, yeah, I saw oh, it a few right. years ago. It's so good. That's why I keep telling you to watch right, it. Right, okay. It, I know that you will like it. Is I'm, it is it a standalone miniseries or is it an ongoing thing? It's a standalone miniseries. Okay. It's You can watch it start to finish. And I it's think, a complete story. Complete story. I think you will love it. Honestly, okay. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't make you waste ten hours of your life watching a <laughs> crappy TV show. I don't know. You've been known to do elaborate pranks before. True, but you know what I'm like with TV shows. I don't necessarily like to get invested yeah. unless I know that it's going to be good. So I wouldn't recommend it to you. Good let's point. Fucking, it's Christmas. Let's watch it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, it's not Christmas anymore. It's January. No, it's Sorry. probably like March by the time this yeah. comes out. I don't know. Yeah. We're so far ahead. Uh, let's pull back the curtain. So yeah, he was in uh, he was in Us. Yeah, pretty new to the scene, I think. Relatively, I, I didn't, don't think I really noticed him until 
Watchmen. Um, Tyona Paris plays Brianna, who is Anthony's Averroff. She's great. She's really good. She's great. I, I hadn't really noticed her in much stuff until more recently. I believe she was in Dear White People, which is, I, th- I want to say, a Justin Simeon movie, which I really enjoyed and was successful enough to have a somewhat mediocre Netflix series based on it. And I'm amazed you haven't seen it because, uh, uh, what's her name? Tessa Thompson is the main character. Oh, let's watch that. Yeah, well. <laughs> I thought you would say yeah. that. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was in They Cloned Tyrone recently, which we both really enjoyed. Loved They Cloned Tyrone. Yeah. Um, and obviously The Marvels. The Marvels, yeah. I've and ri- WandaVision. Uh, yes, I've written down If Bill Street Could Talk, although I haven't okay. seen that yet. And it's kind of on my list to, to get around to at some point. Obviously, point blank with Anthony Mackie. Obviously. And our mate, Frank. Is that the Joe Lynch one? Yep. Okay. <laughs> the, the fantastic, always incredible... <sighs> One of the best voices going, Coleman Domingo plays William Burke. I feel like I talk about people's voices a lot, but I don't, I don't know. I like fall in love with people's voices yeah. a lot of the time. And I, I really want this to get back to Coleman Domingo. Please, please start reading audiobooks. Yeah. I would be all over that. I would as, as well. Yeah. I think, I think you're onto something there. He is in Assassination Nation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Euphoria, so I guess he's got that. What's, mm-hmm. Who's that? Who's the person that's responsible for those? Sam uh, Levinson. Sam Levinson. So I'm guess there's yeah. a Levinson connection there. Um, Euphoria is. I like it. It's mm. controversial. Sam Levinson is quite a controversial figure, but there is an episode, just a standalone between season episode, that's just an hour of him and Zendaya talking, mostly just in a cafe. And it is so compelling because of just the both of them. They could be reading the phone book and I would buy the shit out of it. Yeah. He's great. I, I started watching that show with you. So I don't know. It's, really, it's not for you. No. It's, it's just a little <laughs> bit bleak and like, oh, yeah. why, why do I want to spend 18 hours in this world? <laughs> Being miserable. God, yeah, a little, a little bit. It's a but little it, bit grimy. But it's so pretty. It's Yeah, agreed. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about Euphoria, as I'm sure you would love to do. I first came across Common... That sounds weird. I first (laughs) noticed Common Domingo um, in The Walking Dead, actually. That's that spin-off show called... Fear the Walking Dead, was it? That's it, yeah. yeah. And immediately, as Mm. soon as he's on screen, I'm... Who's this guy? What a presence. Yeah, exactly. And he's easily the best thing about that show. Without remorse as well, he's in. uh, Okay. I don't remember... I remember quite liking that movie... But I think people thought it was toilet. I liked it. <laughs> was that a Michael B. Jordan thing? Yes. I haven't seen that, but I, I was, am aware of it. I think it might have been, a, uh, you know, one of these spy type Jack reach around. Like a Tom Clancy something. Yeah, a Clancy, Clancy boy or something. <laughs> Nathan Stewart Jar. Jarrett. Jarrett. <laughs> 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 I missed the T. It's the silent T, right? <laughs> he obviously was in Misfits. Yeah, yeah. He's he's in a film that's coming out soon that will be out by the time this episode airs, I believe, yeah. called Femme, that I'm mm. very interested in seeing. Yeah, you, you, you showed me that last night, actually. Mm. That's on Curzon Home, right? It will be, be, yes. getting around to that at Christmas mm-hmm. or two months ago, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Vanessa Williams. Oh, yeah. Is Anne-Marie McCoy. Oh, spoiler. Yep. Candyman 92. Obviously. Oh, another spoiler. <laughs> um, New Jack City. I've written that. God, I haven't seen New Jack City since it came out, I don't think. Last couple. Michael Hargrove going to mention because he plays Sherman Fields. Okay, yeah. This yep. version's, the 2021 versions of kind of the main Candyman. 
for most of this movie? I mean, really, this film should be called Candy Men. Uh, it, that would make more sense because in my <laughs> head, I was thinking Candy Mans, <laughs> like an like, alien situation. I'm always, I'm always um, struck by like how how you should pluralize things. Sometimes, like, is it big foots or big feet? Well, this is the question. Yeah, this is the question I'm asking right now. It should need. be called Candy Men. That would differentiate it when you're looking it up online as well. Yeah, because it's a sequel, so it's confusing if you're calling it the same thing as the original. Because yeah. it does, it, you think it's a reboot, but it's not. It's just definitely a sequel. So Candyman would have been a better title, but also a bit of a spoiler. And I'm kind of glad they didn't yeah, call it that true. because I was constantly surprised by the new elements that they brought to this. And also, if we're going with the Hive theory, also not 100% accurate mm. because. Um, so this is one of my few gripes with this with this film that I'm going to get out of the way right. straight away because I love this film so I'm going to get the negative. Um, there are a couple of plot holes to my mind, and one of the things that annoyed me is, and it's funny that you say that Jordan Peele's original script featured Helen Lyle more, mm. because the one thing that sort of got to me was how each generation sort of has this different version of Candyman, you know, just to continue the legend. Well, Helen Lyle kind of became that at the end of the first one, yeah. but she's not really mentioned in terms of being part of that hive. Not really. Yeah. I, yeah. So your, your issue is kind of that they maybe ignored the final few frames of the original. Yeah, because the first one ends with, um, is it, is that, I want to say Xander Berkeley. Her... Oh, uh, John Connor's stepfather. In yes. In <laughs> yeah, Tibetan. that guy. Yeah. Um, he's, she's dead at this point and he's kind of going, oh, Helen, mm. Helen, like in the mirror. And he summons her because he says her name five times. He says Helen five times. Yeah. <laughs> so the same ring to it, does it? No. <laughs> no. Um, I'm glad that they didn't include that because that, that, it's, Obviously, what this film is doing is it's all about uh, systemic racism, oh, cultural yeah. appropriation. So I think centering a white woman again. Yeah, that would be yeah, the wrong the that wrong would move. Absolutely, be a mistake. I, I I'm on board with that as a creative decision. Yeah, it was absolutely the right call. But just the pedant in me um, was slightly annoyed by that. Yeah, <laughs> I totally understand. I. I if I, if if that was maybe fresher in my mind, I maybe have had more of an issue with that. Okay. Having said that, she is a presence in this movie. It's not like her character is ignored. Well, we get those fabulous sort of um, shadow puppets. Yeah, you, you get the shadow puppets, which are retelling mm. that original story. And it's really super, because again, this movie, 91 minutes, snappy. You've got to get wow. in and get yes. out. Yes, so pacey. And maybe that's what my issue is slightly with this film. Do um, you prefer... Do you, do you think it should be longer? Maybe we'll we'll get to it. That's not something you ever say. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not that I wanted it to be longer. It's that <laughs> I wanted a little bit more of a character. But we'll, okay. we'll get to Carmen Domingo in a bit. I enjoy that she has a presence in this movie, but she's not the focus. And I, I, I think even the fact that people are misremembering her story as part of the folklore stuff, I think mm. is a really good choice. But then also I think having her story be remembered more than the Daniel Robitaille stuff and as we learned the Sherman stuff from the 70s and all of the mm -hmm. other candy mans um because the black people are sort of being erased from history exactly so for them for people to be remembering her story is super relevant and also feeds into William Burke's motivation in at the end of the movie I think we could have got more f from that and trying to okay. understand what he's doing there I, I had a different reading on that so my reading on it was 
this is a major spoiler. Obviously, if you've been listening, you know our podcast is chock full of spoilers, yeah. but I'm going to sort of skip to the third act already. When Anthony's mother, Vanessa Williams, we'll get to that again, don't worry, is sort of telling him about the original events that led to him being kidnapped as a child. She sort of says that the people of Cabrini Green agreed never to speak of it. So my theory was that it wasn't necessarily that the Candyman character was being erased. Like it wasn't like a black erasure sort of thing. It was more that they'd made this pact not to speak of it so as not to condemn them all, to kind yeah. of continue this curse. Okay. And that by telling her story, that was sort of masking it a little bit. That was their explanation. So that that would definitely, yeah, that definitely would explain why the hell they wouldn't speak about the original Candyman folklore or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that wouldn't explain why the Sherman character is not known to people. And that's maybe why that character was, was introduced. Yeah, and a lot of people consider that to be sort of another plot hole because in the original version, <laughs> I'm going to get so deep into this, um, a lot of people have sort of said, well, a handful of people online, <laughs> a handful of nerds like me online You've been on Reddit. have said, r slash pedantry, no, um, they, they've wondered why uh, the Sherman character is tied to Coleman Domingo's character which predates the events of 1992. Yeah. So why, when Helen Lyle was researching Candyman, he wasn't spoken about, but well, Daniel Robitaille was. She sort of went way back in history and then ignored everything in the middle. I, I, my, my guess is that she, she found a Candyman, had she not and just died in a yeah. fire, <laughs> maybe she would have come across this this other Sherman. Maybe it was just more readily available because Daniel Robitaille was a painter, so he was producing art. So maybe there was still mm. some of his paintings left over or whatever. I can't remember the, the facts of how she came across Daniel Robitaille. I mean, the whole thing is tied to art, isn't it? Yeah. From, from the first movie to now. I mean, yeah. not just that he was a painter, but that she was sort of doing a thesis on graffiti, yeah. effectively. And there's so much cool artwork like that image of the um the open mouth mm. it haunts me to this day and yeah. i'm going to stop talking about the 1992 version now <laughs> carry on <laughs> i don't i think it's unavoidable i think because yeah. this is a straight sequel for, for me the perfect way to watch this movie would be one and two now now that we've been talking about it um i don't feel as strongly about that as i did before okay because you're pointing out these things that is maybe ignored from the first one in my opinion look these are such minor complaints and, yeah, and, and i am really being a stickler here I, I think this movie is is a near masterpiece okay i think i love it i think it's really uh, just so um I will suck you in. What's the word for that? Just it, it starts and it just grabs me immediately, and consuming. I'm consumed by it. Yeah, but it's not perfect. I, I think it's if there's a couple of things that, that could have been changed or whatever, I think it would have been a five star movie for me. Okay. But um, I remember when we saw this at the cinema. Actually, the, the when it first starts and they're showing the, the logos of the various production companies, they're all. Uh, mirrored mirrored and i remember thinking is this a projection a issue? lot of people thought the same thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people stomping out to the to the projection booth and saying oh there's a problem with the print or whatever didn't i dig you in the ribs at the time and just go hey clever probably and i was like <laughs> what they've, they've they've put it on backwards why have they done that but yeah obviously that is uh the mirror thing so. wap yeknom productions yeah <laughs> 
yeah. You said that to me. We were watching it the other night and I went, what? Monkey paw. Of course, yeah. So, I mean, right from the off, we're making creative, interesting decisions here. Love it. And also, because it's the the logos of the production companies, probably quite a lot of ego involved with some of those. I don't know who was involved. I'm not saying anyone specifically from those companies have got egos or care about that stuff, but some of them would be. I bet there's a load of people that when they're making a film, they're like, make sure my logo's first. It's got to be legible. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, immediately it's going... This is about the experience. This is not... The art is more important. The art is more important. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I just think this film is, is really clever on many, many levels. And immediately, that, it kind of sort of squared me up for what was to come. I really enjoyed, just as we're talking about the opening, I really enjoyed that the the font of all the names, the title credits, were also designed to look kind of like paper cuts, like shadow puppets. Oh, right. Okay. Like no detail was spared. <laughs> Yeah, no, I missed that one. I love it. Oh, interesting. Unlike, you know, people like James Cameron who just use fucking papyrus, just use a goddamn free font for the biggest grossing film of all time. Like, Oh, Avatar. I was about to say don't knock James Cameron, but you can knock him for Avatar. If you yeah. Like. I, <laughs> I like can shit on Avatar all yeah, I like, Dan. shit on James Cameron since 1995. <laughs> That's fine. I don't know. He seems all right, but Avatar can get in the bin. I mean, yeah. Yes, agreed. Avatar can be in the bin for sure. <laughs> Put it in a bin and then drop it in the ocean in a hilarious feat of irony. <laughs> um, but I do, I do like that they don't. Nothing about this is lazy. Nothing about this no. is easy. It's to all, the point where they even create their own font. Yeah, I feel like every kind of decision was really thought about and considered. Uh, you know, not. The script, for example, there's a bunch of things that happen in the beginning of the movie that I guess when you're watching it on rewatch, like when Anthony meets Common Domingo, he says, can I give you a hand? I love that. On second watch, that's so good. (laughs) Yeah, right? And you're like, oh my God, that's that's really clever. Yeah. Even down to stuff like something you brought up uh, when we last watched it was the first time we see Brianna, she's wearing a yellow and black dress Mm. um, and the print even looks like pollen. Yeah. It's so good. And they're, they're using words like buzz and swarm like yeah. in different contexts and media and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's so it's, it's super, oh, it's just not, and even the body horror stuff, it, which we'll get to, I'm sure, the, the, when he's tra- transforming, it looks kind of like, Ugh. what's the, the beehive-y stuff called? The, 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 the holy thing. Honeycomb. Honeycomb. It was a bit like <laughs> a honeycomb, des- the honeycomb design thing going on. It's a trypophobes nightmare. Yeah. Oh, the, the, people that hate pattern things on skin um like whole loads of holes yeah i've seen those tiktoks they are horrible (laughs) i want to take it back to the shadow puppets Mm -hmm. if i may just for a moment because you may i'll allow it thank you (laughs) um i thought that that was there's there's some really interesting extras on the blu-ray of Candyman, which i watched in its entirety start to finish today and there's a really really good one there's a round table which uh domingo is the chair of and they're just having a discussion about Candyman, about the themes and they're talking about the shadow puppets one person said it was it was nice that they didn't show the violence i think it was daniel robotai stuff specifically the mm-hmm. violence against the black character yeah and, and they were able to do it in a way that is it's more not artistic it's more yeah. it's telling you what happened it's not forcing black people to relive their trauma yeah, again exactly not reliving that trauma which i thought was 
again, just fucking really well considered mm. and not something I would have picked up on. And I think if it hadn't been helmed by black filmmakers, yeah. that probably wouldn't have played out like it did. No, I think this would be a different movie. And, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I really, I really, I really like that a lot. And I think when I thought about it, I was thinking, actually, do we see any any black characters subjected to violence by a white person? Mm-mm. We see. Well, um, no, not on screen. No, we don't. We don't see it, do we? No. You're thinking about the final act. Well, and Sherman at the start. Yes, of course. But yeah, it's off screen. Yeah, because the Sherman stuff is from the point of view of a young William Burke. We see his face. Well, he's literally swarmed by cops. Swarmed by police, yeah. And then later on in the third act when Anthony is murdered mm-hmm. by the police, that's we don't see that either. No. So the only time we ever see any violence against a black person, it's by another black person. Okay. Which is super interesting. Um, and I, I really, I think that the shadow puppet stuff was just, it was a kind of a masterstroke, a way mm. of to, 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 maybe you've not seen the original. You could watch this and not have, have seen the original. I think you'd be fine. I think you get way more out of it if you have seen it. I, that's something I was going to ask you, actually. Do you think it works as a standalone? Yeah, I do. Okay. But I think, go, do, do watch the original as well. Yeah, It's a good course. movie and it, I think you'll get way more out of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think this works as a standalone. I think that was a genius way of doing that, of telling that story without showing it and forcing people to relive their, your tra- their trauma, as you said. Um, I would really recommend watching some of those extras actually on that Blu-ray. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. Deleted scenes, or slightly alternate ending. I saw the alternate ending, yeah. I watched that on YouTube. Yeah, okay, okay. But but talking about we we sort of touched on the kills really. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a horror movie. Sure is. We've got to talk about the kills, haven't we? Yep. So who are the first people to to get it? Then is it Clive? I think it's Clive and Jerrica. Is her name Jerrica? The yeah. Joy Division Jerrica. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. At the same <laughs> I know you did. I was thinking, oh look, she's wearing a Joy Division T-shirt, <laughs> and then she even says the love will tear us apart. Yeah. And then he, and then he reconfirms, yeah, we get it. You're a I was like, yeah, okay, we get, we do get it. We, yeah. But I don't mind. And you say that as a white Joy Division fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, this is after the art display, I don't know, mm-hmm. what, exhibition, that's the word I'm looking for, <laughs> yeah. where Anthony is showcasing some of his work. Mm-hmm. And he's got his piece that he's put together after his conversation with Colin Domingo is introduced him to the Candyman law. Now we're caught up. Um well, you forgot about him being stung on the hand. He got stung on the hand. Yeah, that's right. Now we are definitely caught up. Um, but that's the the first kill is is after everybody leaves the exhibition, they're in there on their own, Clive and Jerrica. Mm-hmm. And is it Jerrica? She's sort of saying, let's say Candyman in the mirror. Yeah. And obviously she does. And then that's when Sherman version of Candyman turns up. Hubris. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed those kills. You see... The reflection of Sherman in the mirror, and he slices her throat. I she loved goes down, that. And then Clive is shitting his pants, <laughs> tries to run away, and he gets dragged back into it with an Achilles. I believe an Achilles oh, hook. God, don't your you, favorite. You know, Achilles tendon stuff is my. <laughs> as I've said before, it's the worst pun in the world. But Achilles tendon stuff is my Achilles heel. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, it grosses me out more than well. Mm, fingernail stuff maybe beats Is, that. Yeah, fingernail stuff you, you don't enjoy too much no. either, do you? Um, I really enjoyed the Jurassic Park nod during that scene. 
Mm, when he's trying that. to detach himself from Jerrica's um, belt clasp thing, saying, must go faster, must go faster. Right. That was a nod to Dr. Ian Malcolm. That feels super random. It does, right? <laughs> Why are we nodding Jurassic Park? Okay. I don't know. I don't listen. I, I like it. I, I love little Easter eggs. Know. I'm glad that you like it. Well, I didn't <laughs> notice it, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but yeah, kill, kills-wise, so you've got the, the, art, the art gallery. Mm-hmm. You've got the art critic yep. who was... Uh, Maybe that was my favourite. The, the, how to, how that was shown anyway. Okay, I it was maybe the most interesting. It's pretty subtle. Yeah, because uh, it was kind of as the camera zoomed away and yeah, it's pretty pretty small, pretty and then, tiny. And then we've got the the school, the school bathroom mm-hmm. where children are murdered. I really enjoyed that because, well, for many reasons. <laughs> Firstly, teenage girls are idiots. Yeah, especially that one. She was a dickhead. Yeah, but, you know, I, I've been there. We all did that. Um, me and my friends used to do Ouija boards. We would toy with these stupid things because it felt a little bit dangerous, a little bit taboo. Yeah. So I get it. But I loved the fact that it was five girls and they were all standing there saying it. And then the one non-white girl goes, nah, fuck this yeah. and leaves. <laughs> yeah. And it's just the four white girls. Super intentional. But the, but, yeah. but the fact is that they've... It's shown to us that they've been bullying a black girl that mm-hmm. is in the toilet who I assume survives this movie. I uh, hope so, yeah, because I... she's a Bad Brains fan, judging from the patches on her bag, which okay. makes her the coolest person in this movie. Well, she's super cool and she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's those four kids, those those four kids that, uh, that that get it. But the main one, she was in the art gallery earlier. She was. And you've got to be paying attention. But like for me especially, I think it's only because they they zoomed in on the logo on her bag. Yeah, because you have face blindness. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, it's interesting that when she was at the art gallery, she was not interested in any of the artwork at all. Well, and the only way she engaged with Anthony's piece was to take a selfie in the mirror. But that that was my point. It was, yeah. she was attracted. She hated all of the art, mm-hmm. but she was drawn to the mirror. Oh, fucking shock! And then in the bathroom, <laughs> she's looking at herself in a mirror again. Yeah, and it's super. Kind of throw away, blink and you'll miss it. And it not, it's quite subtle, but it's a commentary on, I guess, the vanity of youth and that, and that kind of generation and, you know, what's behind the mirror. Mm. And quite literally in the art gallery, obviously, you open the mirror and there's Anthony's artwork in there, which uh, which was very, his artwork's very direct. And I, I think it probably improves as the movie goes on. <laughs> I would say so. I'm not a big fan of the artwork at the start, I'll be honest. Well, it's very. I, I don't it, want to badmouth it because it was obviously created for the film by real artists, and art is completely subjective. I don't get a lot of modern art. I never have. I appreciate fine art because I understand the skill behind it, but modern art often leaves me cold. Yeah. But it was interesting, like you say, the way his um, his skill sort of seems to improve as the movie wears on. Yeah. Um, as well, he's it, almost like in a fugue state. Yeah, literally. And I think I didn't really notice, I didn't have a problem with his art at the start of the movie. I, th- I thought it was fine. Um, they're telling you, they're, they're not subtle about telling you that it's too direct. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of people even say that in the movie. Um, yeah. Brianna and the art critic are like, oh, it's way too direct. And more cynically from the art critic, because she's like, well, we can't make money from this because, you know. Yeah. And she soon changes her tune. 
but she's super derogatory about um, saying that artists are the ones who are responsible for gentrification and yeah, not the government and white people, which is very backwards. Yeah, and the, the language that she uses is telling as well because she you says people. You, you people. Yeah. And and it, Anthony goes, what do you mean? And she goes, well, artists. But mm. fucking, she meant it like, I'm going to say this thing because I feel emboldened. And yeah. probably feel she does have power over him in yeah. that situation because she's an art critic. And yeah, they can make or break careers. Impress her. So she's just, kind of, I feel like that character's a scumbag and she's just yeah. kind of doing something to get one over on somebody to, to feel power or something. Yeah, because she she's only interested when there's a tragedy and she can coast on the the fact that his name's in the press. Oh, she comes fucking crawling back, doesn't <laughs> she? She's like, you're art shit. And then the second there's a murder, she's like, I, I love what you've I'll done, take it actually. Back. And it, even more so, this time watching it, I was like, yeah, what a dickhead. <laughs> oh, let's make some money. We can make money out of it now, can we? Now I'm interested. But that is, again, it's super... It's pretty on the nose. Pretty, yeah. It's very on the nose. But I feel like even in this movie, they are quite... Then This is not a subtle film. This is not a mm. film that you watch. I think it's there are subtleties in it. And you can go as deep as you like, and there's really a, a lot of nice details in it. But you could watch it without analysing it too much, and you know exactly what it is. Which is yeah. one thing that I like about it. I think it strikes the balance really well. It doesn't feel like it's beating you around the head with the point either. No, it's not, obvious, like you say. But yeah, but it's it's. Uh, but you could just enjoy it. I think as a ninety minute kind of horror movie as well. Yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Talking about the subtlety, there's a bunch of stuff in here that I think you wouldn't necessarily pick up. Like the when Anthony goes to the library to check out Helen's uh, thesis and hear her tapes, which is the only way that Virginia Madsen actually returns to the cast is with the audio recordings. It's her voice. Is yeah. it actually her voice? It is, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a Sarah Connor Terminator salvation situation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You find a way to relate everything back to robots, <laughs> don't you? God. Yeah, I was eating... The way I was remembering, remembering Daniel Robitaille's name is Daniel Robot. Robot. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I watched a YouTube video earlier and they kept saying Daniel Robitaille and it was really bothering oh, no. me. But you know what? When I hear that, I think, oh, fair play. You, you're, at least you're reading. Yeah. Yeah. You're an idiot, but a literate one. Well, know, probably <laughs> cleverer than me, but that's not difficult. Yeah. So Helen Lyle recording. Yeah, and he, he goes to the, the library and the woman, um, the white blonde lady, much like Helen herself, yeah. behind the counter is super flustered, as you would be. I'd be flustered, man, if, if that man and his up to me. broad shoulders turned up and yeah. ugh, even even in that toque. Um, he wears it well. He does. But she says something under her breath as he's like walking away because she's super flustered and kind of bends down and she talks about something about true crime. And I'm just like, that is the stereotype, isn't it? Like middle-aged white women. I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm a middle-aged white woman who's obsessed with true crime. Yeah. I am a cliche. But it's it's fun little stuff like that as well that tickled me. Yeah. Directly after that, is that when he goes into the elevator? Mm -hmm. And it's the mirrored elevator. Mirrored yeah. on, on all. Uh, and I don't know, thinking, how did they fucking film this <laughs> for a start? <laughs> yeah, really clever. Yeah, it's an like infinity the, mirror. Isn't there a, a mirror, infinity mirror scene in Us? as well yeah in, in the house movie. the house of a thousand mirrors yeah let's call it that <laughs> yeah um, yes i'm always super impressed by those sorts of scenes and i guess that's he's been bitten by that point mm -hmm. hadn't he and, he's, and his hand's gone proper manky yeah so he's which is a, 
to me, an indictment of the US medical system, because I think anyone in their right mind would have got that checked out much sooner. But I guess in the States, it's like, I could hope it goes away or I could be saddled with a three grand medical bill. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this shiny new apartment to pay for now, haven't we? Yeah. Although it's in Cabrini Green, so it's probably quite cheap. I've got, <laughs> they're getting cheap rent for a few years mm. and then we're just going to get the right people in. And then we're going to put the rents up. As they say, the yeah. The gentrification angle. I, I really enjoy all that stuff and the conversations mm-hmm. they have about all of that as well. Um, I really enjoyed um, Brianna's brother, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, and his, his boyfriend. I enjoy them as characters. Yeah. I, it, I, they, if, they were some welcome kind of comic relief for me. True, true. Yeah, I can see why they're there. I was going to say they're maybe the least necessary characters. But he's the one who relays the story to them near the beginning true okay listen we've been talking for a while now Mm -hmm. so i'm going to tell you what my main issue with this film is it relates to that so i think that i really enjoy all of the characters in this Mm -hmm. well i don't some of them are are twats i'm (laughs) glad that they die horrific you can enjoy them whilst they're being twats i enjoy them when they've got holes in yeah (laughs) um but then i think and I, i enjoy the brother character and his uh, partner as well i think mm-hmm. they're interesting characters not in it a lot but some light comic relief which is probably why they're there but uh for me i really think that we could have had more Colin domingo in there and i understand that it's a short movie it's a 90 minute movie you've got to be breezy and economical and it was but i think maybe we could could have combined that Colin. Domingo. maybe he was closer to the family maybe they were already a unit we could have had him in it more, explaining more of his side of things. Because I feel like when we get to the third act, I feel like there's maybe some scenes missing from act two to act three. And all of a sudden, William Burke just becomes the villain, I guess, the main baddie. And I would have enjoyed wow. more of him in it so that I could have seen either the progression or not necessarily seen the change come in. But yeah. it, f- it felt like there was more of his character. I, I get what you're saying, but I'm going to disagree. I, well, I'm going to I'm going to meet you halfway. <laughs> I don't give a shit if you agree with me or not. <laughs> I'm going to put an olive branch out and I'll meet you halfway. Um, I'm going to piss on your olive branch. <laughs> set fire to it. Rude. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to set my hive of bees on you. Well, not the bees. <laughs> yes, the bees. <laughs> um. I agree that there isn't enough Coleman Domingo. I agree with that part. I think some of his progression towards the end does feel a bit undercooked, which leads me to another problem that I'll talk about in a second. But as for the brother and the boyfriend, I really enjoyed their inclusion because although they're the ones that kind of, uh, the, the first time we hear about the legend is when he's telling them, they're the two characters who survive because they're not stupid enough to say Candyman's name in the mirror. Yeah. And I really appreciated that yeah. because they weren't just fodder and the gay characters survived. Yes, there is that. I Listen, I, I think, I, as I said, enjoyed their characters. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, okay, if we're going to keep this a lean 90 minutes, I need more from the main villain. I need more to understand why he's doing the things that he's doing. Okay. And just have more of on screen time. And a way for me to do that would be to maybe combine some characters. However, if they were going to add 15 minutes and make it one hour 45, which is still pretty snappy these mm-hmm. days and quite easy, keep those characters in. I enjoyed them. And then let's have 10 more minutes of Coleman 
going to a dinner party and maybe they're all talking about candy men's and things like that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. If we're going to add 15 minutes, I would like a few of those minutes to be dedicated to Brianna's backstory because my mm. other issue is that it felt like the stuff with her father was a little bit undercooked. I, I appreciated it more the second time. Yeah. On like subsequent viewings, I appreciated it more. It felt like an afterthought the first time because we get this one scene of her as a child and her father's sort of tragic end and her connection to these tortured artist types. But then it's not really revisited. It does make sense in the context of her character and how her arc ends, but I would have liked a little bit more focus yeah. on that. See, I think if we're adding more Coleman and we're keeping <laughs> brother and yeah. partner and we want more from... Brianna's just childhood. A, just another minute. I, what I think, oh, okay, another minute. Okay. That would do, yeah. I was going to say we're probably adding in another 15 minutes and making it a two-hour movie. But again, fine with I that. would watch a two-hour cut of this in a heartbeat. But but that's not to say that I don't love this for the runtime. Like, it's, yeah. it, I have a suits quite a complicated relationship with this because on the one <laughs> hand, I think it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And I'll watch it any time. And probably mostly because it's 90 minutes and it's breezy and you can enjoy it on a surface level if you want. Is that not the best compliment you can give a film, though? Like, yeah. I think this is a masterpiece, but and I want more of it. Hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent. And but that's not to say that if these things were included, that it would be any better. Probably, you know, what the fuck do I know? Like, it would have made it worse. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's just how I felt while I was watching it, and I feel like with the William Burke stuff, also there's a lot of threads there in his past where his sister is also killed by the Candyman because she summons him. Mm-hmm. And there's 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 a lot of threads hanging here mm-hmm. that to to tackle them all in a satisfying way in ninety minutes I just think is impossible. So I think this is a, a good a movie as you can get for a ninety minute sequel. Yeah. That's also kind of a reboot or retelling if you have, are not familiar with Candyman. I have another very minor complaint that I want to get off my chest. Not enough topless yaya. Always, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a given, obviously. No, I wish they hadn't listed Vanessa Williams in the opening credits. Mm. Well, yeah, agreed. I know, it- she was in the trailer, but I wanted, I, I wished that had been a surprise. Did you, while you're watching it, did you know that, so she, you knew she was going to be in it. Did you know that she was going to be Anthony's mother? No. So well, you- uh, until he went to the hospital. Did you... During the movie, did you did it click to you that he was called Anthony and also the baby in the original was called Anthony? Um, not immediately, but yes. But during the movie, yeah. So you did at one point go, ah, oh, he's the baby, yeah, right, yeah. But only because I'm such a big fan of the original. I don't yeah. think like a more casual viewer of these movies would necessarily do the same. I I don't. It's been a few years since my first time viewing of this, and I don't really remember. But I don't think I put that together. Do you know Anthony McCoy's name is said exactly five times in this movie? Is it? Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I, I, they're trying to throw you though in the movie, I think, because a few times they refer to him as Tony mm-hmm. and Tone. They're like, oi, Tone. <laughs> Were you going to get that art to me or what, Tone? <laughs> I don't remember Danny Dyer being in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> God, if he was in it, he would have had a, a, a hook in his Achilles heel and that oh, would have been fine with me. We can only hope. Yeah. Um, was Tony Todd's name in the credits for this? I don't believe so, no, because I just about shit myself when he appeared really? at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That was not, I'm so grateful that hadn't been spoiled for me. Yeah. And I'm such a predictable mark. 
I'm such an obvious fan of these movies. I can see why a lot of people would have been like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is too cheesy. Like, I get it. It's just fan service. But when I saw the bees sort of give way to de-aged Tony Todd, I just was like, Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. I see. For me, that it's not fan service. I mean, it is fan service in because a way. It's pleasing to you. You're yeah. a fan. You were pleased. I was it's very pleased. You. Quite literally, <laughs> it's there to please people. Yeah, that's what it's there for. But it doesn't feel like it for me because what they do with the story, they enhance the original. They add to it. They add to the lore. They're telling you there are many, many candy people mm-hmm. and people including <laughs> Helen and their stories are forgotten and we need to remember them yeah. so to have him come back on for the final frame is almost necessary I, I, I don't think this film hits quite the way that it should if you don't not if I mean they've gone they've gone all in with the hive uh, yeah. element so yes absolutely they, they needed him as well but also it's, it's a genius move fiscally from a studio cynical yeah. Let's make some sequels hat on. They can make Candyman sequels to the fucking cows come home if they want because they, they can focus in on any number of... Yeah. Um, candy men. Candy men. And yeah. women. Yeah. And non-binary yeah. people. Any story that they want to focus on, they can do. They're not going to be tied to any one thing. Mm. I think that's just genius. I think this is super interesting and clever, uh, cleverly made film from a lot of angles. Should we talk about the end then? Let's let's talk about the end. Let's let's talk about how fucking beautiful it looks at the end. Can um, I just? Or are you or are you going? Are you, where, okay. Well, where are you going from? What I want to know is end? at what point did you start to think that um, William Burke or Billy Boy was yeah. a little bit sketchy? Not until then, I don't think, because there just wasn't enough of him. I mean, it should have been obvious when he was in the laundromat and we saw him reading Clive Barker. He's reading a Clive Barker book. He's reading Weave World, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Man of good taste. I don't think, for me, I realised that he was doing a day until the very end. Right, okay. And and maybe that's my problem. Maybe it would have been nicer to have more of him to see his either change or his motivations a little bit more. Yeah, the clues were very, very, very subtle. Very subtle. They were initially, and then at the end he's just like, yeah (laughs) but i mean stuff like um there are there are sort of things to sort of clue you in that he's not quite on the level um taking it back to vanessa williams again when uh she's sort of telling anthony about how we all agreed to keep it quiet everybody in cabrini green knows like you don't speak of him the fact that coleman domingo is just like going around going hey Candyman, you heard about Candyman? let me tell you about Candyman." (laughs) should have been like a bit of a giveaway because he's true you know wanting to keep the legend alive obviously yeah true i mean he is wanting to keep the legend alive and also i think for me he's main because i was thinking when i was watching it why is he he's committing this horrible act on this young guy mm. he's cutting his arm off why is he doing he's this? got an arm off he's got an arm off and he, but i've been thinking about it and it's because i guess because the helen story was so widely remembered in my mm-hmm. opinion he is trying to re Bring take, it back to its roots. Re- take the power back. Take the power back. He mm. wants. He's, he's like no fucking Candyman is a black story that belongs to rightly or wrongly pain trauma. That's ours. Mm-hmm. We, why are we fucking talking about this white woman? I think when we get to that point at the end of it, when uh, Brianna turns up, doesn't she? Because mm-hmm. she's looking for Anthony, who's who's scarpered after his. Oh, was it after he spoke to his mum? He just sort of disappeared yeah. a bit. 
I think for me, it's between when he spoke to his mum and the third act. I feel like there's stuff missing from there. I yeah, I can see that because it just gets to that third act. And I'm like, oh, we're it's here. Too, this, yeah, this it's must wrapped be up too end, quick. But, yeah, but yeah, when Brianna turns up, she finds out that William Burke is. Uh, bit of a wrongin. Bit of a wrongin. Bit of a, <laughs> bit of a baddie. Bit of a bad guy. Trying she, to reclaim Candyman as a spirit of vengeance. Yep, yep. Uh, but she she realizes to go to the she finds she figures out to go to the the laundry the laundromat because there's a pen. Mm-hmm. So she he must be there because he's got a pen. <laughs> but she takes the pen with her as well. Yeah, uh, which is what she uses to to shank Burke. Proving that the pen is mightier than the sword. The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> I don't um, think that's what they had in mind, whoever coined that phrase. But. No. <laughs> no, but something, something, written, word, language, important, communication, something, something. But also I'm going to stab you with it. It can uh, be a weapon. It can be, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, she shanks him with the pen, but not before he's phoned the police. Yeah. And said, there's a... Here comes the swarm. There's a hook man here. He's got a hand off. Here comes the swarm, mm. and uh, so the yeah the police are on their way. She's legging it. She shanks William Burke. Anthony turns up again, and there's that beautiful scene in that building where Anthony's laying down. The red and the blue lights flashing and creating the yeah. silhouettes, and so oh my god, he's being yeah. cradled, cradled by Brianna, and then there's the the flashing lights with the graffiti mm. and the coloured, candy coloured graffiti, if you will, and that is I just. I love that scene. I think that is so beautiful. And even as we touched on earlier, that the police come in, they barge their way in, and then there's gunfire, and you know what's fucking going on, mm-hmm. but you don't need to see it. And it's just, it's way more impactful. I agree. For me. I agree. Yeah. If I'd have seen that, I don't know. It's, just, it's not going to hit the same. But, I mean, the, oh, Candyman is such a tragic figure anyway. Yeah. As soon as you learn of Daniel Robitaille's backstory, it's so painful and tragic and just unimaginable. Um, and we get a repetition of that with Anthony's character. So yeah, we absolutely don't need to see it yeah. to feel uh, what Brianna must feel and like, yeah. oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. The police kind of take Brianna and mm. they put her in the car and say, we didn't murder him, did we? You've got to say that. Otherwise we're going to fit you up and we're going to frame you and you're going to go to prison. But she looks in the mirror and she summons old mate i really enjoyed that reluctantly and also that's well done because she's not doing that at the start of the movie mm-hmm. she's that is her last um that's a hail mary like yeah that's it's, she's not doing that lightly mm. she's likely either going to go to prison or have to suffer the knowledge that she's not been honest about what happened that day who knows mm-hmm. where she would have gone but yeah and then the final kill is where um he's just taking out the police force it's just i don't know man it's I enjoyed that a lot, and mm. I bet a lot of people really got a lot of um, catharsis. Maybe it might be the, a, a good word to use there, because uh, horror in general can be quite a cathartic experience oh, for people, right? Absolutely, yes. What if not um, cathartic is Candyman for the black community? And yeah. I'm not part of that community, so I can't say. But from what I've heard, I've heard people like Jordan Peele, Nid Costa, and people talk about it. And Candyman belongs to them, and it's their mm-hmm. story. So I just feel like, I don't know, if you're part of that community, part of that culture, it must be kind of nice to see some people with badges on getting shanked sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like it's important to say, as we did during our cops season, season one, yeah. um, 
we we're not here to shit on the police force as a whole but you're only as good as your weakest members so to speak yeah so while there are bad apples you know we know how that phrase ends yeah so yeah these the, the the bad seeds do need to be not necessarily terminated with a hawked hand, but you know. But there's 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 too many of these stories yeah. still fucking now. These yep. these things are still happening, and uh, you can't even ignore it if you try. People, fucking idiots that complain about woke culture, will be going, "Oh, you know, we do hear Blue about it lives all the time." Matter. But I guarantee you, there's shit happening that we don't fucking hear about. Oh, of course, we only hear about probably a couple of things that get through that can't be silenced or whatever i don't mm. know you bring it back to cops again with um fruitvale station there's that mm-hmm. story and there's just they're endless they're, they're never ended so not all cops but some and that's bad yes so call it out and yes allow the black community to have to have their fucking catharsis yeah yep. i i think that's, it's poetic that's I think where it's i was great. coming from is it, it must be quite cathartic yeah. in 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 maybe the same way that uh, uh a sexual assault revenge movie could be not definitely yeah but for some people may some people be could be super triggering cathartic. but yes some people do get catharsis yeah. from those and movies it, and everyone's different and they respond yeah. to things differently i think it was handled pretty well here and quite sensitively yeah so yeah big I, thumbs up i think this film's just fucking great i, I think it's uh, i think it's a nat's cock away from a masterpiece <laughs> But, you know, if if we're talking about changing the things that I kind of said that I would change, maybe it's not as enjoyable. Maybe it's not a 90-minute breezy, I'd say fun, but almost almost fun. It's quite funny, like you say. It's enjoyable. It definitely has moments, it has moments of brevity. It's really hard to say it's fun, though, with the gravity of some of the stuff it deals with, yeah. like the socio-political That's, stuff, the racism. It's hard to call it fun. Yeah. But you're right. It is breezy. It's pacey. There is a lot about it that is fun. Um, I can't imagine a time where I wouldn't just happily stick this on and watch it. Yeah. What, like, whenever. Are you putting the original one or are you putting this on? Go. Right now. Oh, are you really going to make me choose yep. original? Okay. It has to be the original. Yep. But this is, the original to me is a five star perfect movie. This is a four and a half star movie. Mm. And you know I'm stingy as fuck. So I do not dole out four and a half stars willy nilly. What is uh, Farewell to the Flesh? What what stars is that? That might be a two and a half. Yeah? Well, I'm not a fan of the two that came in the 90s. Yeah. The, the 95 and 99 ones. Yeah. 99 especially, just ugh. Well, you own it, so I'm looking I at it know, right now. It's on DVD. Because I'm a completist. Yeah. I'm a f- fucking easy mark, I told you. <laughs> so there are four Candyman movies now. Yeah. Will there be a fifth? Has, has there been any rumblings of that? Not that I've heard. I haven't, I haven't looked it up, actually. If it was handled by the right people, I'd be happy to watch it, though. If Nia's back, fucking sign me up. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm probably If the entire it. creative team of this come back take my money I'll, I'll probably watch watch it whoever's made it yeah because we've got that cinema pass so we see everything <laughs> but um the merits of, of this one i think i would see it no matter what does it need a sequel that's my next question i think there's more to explore Agreed. i think i think there's some new stuff in here that we hadn't seen before i really enjoy the fact that for the most of the runtime you only see Candyman in the mirror mm. which hadn't really been explored before and a lot of people sort of conjecture that that is to do with the fact that he's because he's not spoken about anymore, he's weakened, mm. and that when he appears at the end and does his gravelly tell everyone, yeah. um, that's kind of him 
reclaiming his power, mm. thanks to Bill Burke. Yeah, so you could look at this as the setup movie, really. That's kind of where I was coming from, and that's why I asked you if this needs a sequel, because in my opinion, it doesn't need one, but I think it would be fucking great if it had one, because it's. I feel like this movie has done a lot of heavy lifting, mm. and I feel like a sequel, we can just get straight into it, and we can, we can yeah. do some gnarly shit. As long as they brought some some other fresh ideas, yeah. Yeah, of course. I would be on board. You always want that. But I just I feel like this is a perfect setup movie. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect sequel to a 30-year-old movie, and it's a perfect setup for more sequels. For for many reasons. As I said, there's the hive element, even if you don't want to stick with if you can't afford your your abdomen because he's got to pay for all that protein. (laughs) He's charging too much money and you want to do a different story. Guess what? You can do it because you've introduced yeah. the hive element. It's genius. Yeah. Um, I, I, my only hope is that if they do do it, that they don't run out of creative ideas because there yeah. are so many. Like it's riddled with insanely creative decisions. Um, something that we didn't even talk about. The opening, like the opening of the original, was all aerial shots of Chicago, and this was shots looking up from the street up. Yeah. It's just near perfection, as you say. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I can love this movie, man. I think it's great. Yes. Agreed. <sighs> okay. So shall we announce what we're doing for the next episode? I'll are let we, you do it because are, this is... Go are on. we done with Candyman? Like, is there anything else you want to hear? I don't want to end it in case there's anything else you want to say because I know how much you're a fan of this character. I'll I'll keep Stom now, yeah. but I will insist that we revisit the original at some point yeah okay we need to we haven't watched it together yet so we we should do that's insane yeah i mean it's christmas Tonight? three months ago so <laughs> could, yeah. um okay cool so on that then yes next episode this is all you baby sticking with 2021 i completely mm. accidentally two movies that came out in 2021 in a row couldn't be more different it's folklore it's remembering the first episode of our folklore season we mentioned that um Oh yeah, Chris Finch, uh, Ralph, and Kate Dickey. Ralph Innocent and Kate Dickey would be reappearing further yeah. down the line. Well, guess what? It's this one. I'm going to give you two seconds to guess what it is. Folklore 2021. Kate Dickey, Ralph Innocent. What is it? It's the Green Knight. <laughs> right? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah.